God is really doing something really great. Over this past month, we've been doing a series called Get Over It. Somewhere turn to your neighbor and say, get over it. You've been dying to do that all morning, haven't you? You've been dying to do that. It's so freeing. It feels so good to say, get over it to somebody without any repercussion. But I'm pretty sure you're going to have a long talk as you drive home today. Over, the, over this series, we've been talking about how we reprioritize things in our lives so that they more closely line up with what God's expectations are for us. We talked about presence over, over performance. We, we talked about clarity over confusion. We, we talked about so many different things. But, but today, I want us to understand one simple thing, that we can have faith over fear. Faith over fear. How many of you know that our lives can be run by our fears at times? Many of the decisions that we make, many of the things that we do are based not out of victory, not out of God's plan for us, but out of running away from things in our lives that scare us. But this morning, I want you to to take a look at the fears that drive you, and I want us to learn how we can overcome our fears so that we can fully put our trust in God through Christ Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. 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 Well, it turns out that everybody said amen, so we can go ahead and go home. No, that's all right. Maybe I might make a few points that you didn't consider this morning. But before I get into my message, I'll I'll tell you that one of the most fearful things I experienced as a child was uh, me and my dad went on, uh, I believe it was Lake Texoma. We, we, we were invited out. We, we went out on a, a little uh, a bass boat, fishing boat on Lake Texoma. We, it was going to be kind of an overcast day. We, we putted out there with, uh, I think it was my uncle, and we putted out there in the middle of the lake, and we were going to fish. And I can't remember if we caught anything or not. Knowing, knowing my skill level, we, I, I mean, like, I don't know if this is possible. We went negative on the fish. But how many of you know you don't have to catch any fish to have a great time out on a lake? And, and, uh, and so we, we began to fish, and, and if you're on a lake, especially a big lake like Texoma, you can look out and you can see a storm passing over part of the lake, and you can be okay. But in this particular time, it was kind of overcast. We saw the storm coming, so we decided, you know what? We better cut our time short. We're going to turn around. We felt the wind shift a little bit. We're going to go ahead and turn around and drive back. And, and you think, you don't realize how far away you are from where you started until it's time to go home. And we started going, and, and the, the wind started picking up a little bit, and and out there on Lake Texoma, as big as it is, there was, there was some, some waves. It wasn't wake from other boats. It was waves. And as we went along, we, we kind of had a, a good time. It was, it was a little bit of adrenaline rush because those waves were big enough so that the, the front end of the boat would pop up a little bit and then it'd slap back down and we'd all be laughing and joking and whoo, and you know, our hats were getting close to blowing off. We were trying to go as fast as we could, but, but about midway back, it started getting a little bit more serious because that that wind and those waves were coming over so quickly and so hard that that the boat actually, when it would slap back, it would stop going straight and it would go a different way. It was trying to toss us off the boat. 
And so we started slowing down and, and things, things stopped being so fun, it, it started to get a little more serious because it started to rain on us. And, and now we're, we're just a little boat and we got big waves and they're kind of lapping over the side and we don't know now if we're actually going to be able to make it back all right. We, it was pretty frightening. We felt very vulnerable because in that moment, before we felt so much in control, we had a great time. This was, this was leisure, but it, it turned into, I want to say life or death, but I may probably being melodramatic. It turned into we're out of control. We, 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 we couldn't do what we were wanting to do. Well, the end of the story is, is we got the boat loaded up. We got everything safe and secure, but we didn't plan on that. See, see, we didn't, we didn't plan on going out there and, and feeling out of control. We didn't, we didn't plan on going out there and feeling at risk at all. We planned on having a great time and we did everything that we knew to have a great time. But I think that that's kind of how life is sometimes. We, we go out there, we're not looking for anything, uh, any trouble. We, we weren't expecting any fear, but as we, as we were just about our business, everything got scary. The storm blew in and we didn't know how things were gonna turn out. You know, I, I'm not typically a very fearful person. Matter of fact, um, that was one of just a few of a handful of times I ever remember being scared as a kid. I, I, I don't live my life in fear in, until I had kids. <laughs> and the reason why is because my kids also inherited the lack of fear that I have. And I watch them and what they do, and it's just scary. My two-year-old gets on the coffee table, and he thinks it's fun just to jump off across the room onto a beanbag. But he doesn't jump as far as he thinks he can jump. My one-year-old loves it to, for me to throw him up in the air. And I'm not scared of it. He's not scared of it, but I'm scared of his mother. So there's that. I'm scared when my daughter reminds me that she'll be driving in just six years. You should be scared as well. You don't know enough to be scared. You should be scared. I'm scared when I go to check on my seven, almost eight-year-old son at night and he's asleep. I open up his room and he's sitting up with his eyes wide open, but he's still asleep. That's weird. It's scary. <laughs> Wasn't expecting it. You shine your light on him whenever he's asleep, you know, from your phone, and it'll, man, it'll mess you up at night. <laughs> but then there's other things in my life that I'm scared of too. Like when my wife gets sick. When I hear about friends that are having financial problems or when my, I face big decisions and I don't know what to do, and I know it affects the entire family. It's easy to feel out of control, to feel like that you didn't sign up for something, that you're doing everything right, you do, you're doing everything that you knew how to do, and all of a sudden something comes, a big storm, wind and waves, and they threaten to put everything off course 
and maybe even take your sense of peace, your sense of freedom, your sense of security. You know, I think that's how we all feel at times. It's, it's easy for those storms in life to come. We feel safe and secure with our relationship with God, and all of a sudden, the storm of life rushes in, and it, the winds change direction, and you get a call from a doctor with a bad report. Or there's a problem with relationships, and, and the, all of a sudden the phone stops ringing, and you don't talk to your kids for a week, and that turns into a month, and now you don't know exactly how to make things right or if they'll ever be right. All of these things can, can scare us. And then whenever it happens, the only thing we come down to is how do we get out of this? How do we make things right? How do we, do we step over and reclaim the victory and the freedom that we once had? And I want you to know that, that today we don't have to live our lives in fear any longer. I want you to know today that no matter how big the winds are in your life, no matter how big the waves are, no matter how much fear that's gripped you, you can quite literally rise above the level of fear in your life with just a little faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. It'll be no surprise to you this today, uh, the illustrations that I'm, I've used, that we're going to be starting in verse 22, where, uh, where Jesus walks on the water. That's a spoiler alert. I'm sorry if you did not know that this was coming, but Jesus will walk on the water. If you want to follow along with our notes, please feel free to go to the Bible app. Uh, we, we have our notes right there. You click on the menu. Uh, in, in events, you can uh, find Christ's legacy if you have your uh, location services uh, updated. And then you, when you click on Christ's legacy, you'll be able to follow along with our notes right there. Otherwise, you're going to have to, uh, you know, uh, take notes by hand. Anybody take notes by hand still? Praise God for you. I'm so glad. I'm so glad because, uh, because in addition to the notes that we have, you can write down the things that the Lord is speaking to you. I, I want you to lean in and really get what God has for you today. This is a great day to take notes. You see, just before Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22, we see that Jesus is, doing the ser is, is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Let me go back a little bit before that and show you what happened. Jesus gets word that his cousin John the Baptist was beheaded. And he's... He's hurt by this. And so he decides to get into the boat and, and go across the lake so he can have a little bit of privacy. He, he needs to mourn in private. But the crowds that were around him, they, they went around the north side of the lake and beat him to where he was going. Don't ever tell somebody where you're headed. When he steps off the boat, Thousands upon thousands were gathered there. And the scripture says that he had compassion on them. And so he didn't turn them away. He didn't say, guys, I just need some private privacy. I just need some time to get over this loss in my life. 
He had compassion, began to heal them, began to preach to them, teach them. And then he turns to the disciples. He said, where are we going to buy some food for everybody, y'all? They said, Jesus, how, how can we buy food? And so Jesus decides that he's going to feed the 5,000. He multiplies just the little that was offered, reminding us that Jesus is our provider. So he immediately turns away after it's all said and done, and he tells his disciples to go across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and he'll stay there and he'll dismiss the crowds, and he'll meet them later on. We pick up in Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. Immediately, he made the disciples get out of the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. While he sent the crowds away, after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. I want us to notice something. Before we even get into the message, I want to point out that if Jesus needed to be by himself and pray, how much more do you and I need to find ourselves by ourselves alone with God? We need to invest in that time. If, if Jesus needed to do it, you and I need to do that. We're not better than Jesus. But when he went up, the Bible says he went up on top of the mountain into the hills to pray. I think it's really important to understand that he was overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Now to have some idea about how big the Sea of Galilee is, everybody knows what Hefner Lake or what Lake Hefner looks like. We drive past that Lake Hefner right off of Hefner Parkway. We drive past that all the time and that is about 2471 acres. And the Sea of Galilee is 16,000 acres. It is the largest lake in Israel. And at its widest point, it's eight miles wide and 13 miles long. And although it's so very big, as Jesus looked over the Sea of Galilee, he could see everything. He could see everything. And that's so important because I, I need you to understand that in that moment, if we believe that Jesus is God, and we do, and if we believe that he didn't need the weather app to know that there was going to be some storms, because how many of you know the weather app gets it wrong? I know y'all woke up this morning, you went out, and you walked right back inside, and you got your coach, and you walked back out, if you made it back out. Otherwise, you're joining us online. We would like to say thanks for joining us online. <laughs> But Jesus is, in that, is on top of that hill, and he looks out. We need to understand this, that those disciples, they started rowing out, and they were a long way away, and Jesus saw them. They never left his sight. It was possible that the disciples were exactly doing what Jesus said, what God had told them to do. They were in the middle of his will when they encountered the storm. How do you know that sometimes in life we deal with storms that are unavoidable? As a matter of fact, I want to point out that there are some storms that are unavoidable. 
See, what happened? Why did I deserve this? Why did I go through this? What did I do wrong? But the truth is, is that you may be in the middle of God's will. And you're in the storm. You may not have done anything to deserve it, but you're in the middle of the storm. And sometimes we look around and we try to figure out where did everything go wrong, but sometimes when everything is going wrong, you are doing everything right. God has you in the middle fighting the wind and the waves just like those that were there. As a matter of fact, Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 24, it says, But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Contrary. You know, I wonder if you've ever gone through the storm and the wind has been contrary to your life. <laughs> it can be contrary, quite contrary sometimes. But 1 Peter Chapter 4, starting in verse 12, reminds us something. Remember, Peter was on the boat too. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, uh, you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so, so that you will have a wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed in all the world. Peter says, when you're going through storms, the fiery trials of life, don't think it's strange. Don't think you're any different. Don't think it's, it's all you or it's your fault or it's everybody else's fault. This is a normal thing. And when you're going through them, Instead of feeling sad, instead of feeling angry, instead of feeling bitter, instead of feeling alone, instead of feeling betrayed, try this. Be very glad. Because when you go through suffering, it's as if you are partnering with Jesus in the suffering that he went through. Why? Why are you going through this moment? Perhaps it's because this. Because when we go through those moments and we partner with Christ, you and I, we, <laughs> this is wonderful, can have God use us to reveal his glory through us and to us. God is going to use that storm. God is going to use the wind and use the waves to reveal himself in our midst. We find ourselves saying, where is he? We just wish that Jesus would show up. Why isn't he here? Where, where did he go? He's left us. I need you to know this morning that Jesus is never too late. Jesus is never too late. Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. And in the fourth watch, somebody say fourth watch, of the night he came to them walking on the sea. Whew. That's amazing. You think that the boat's gone. It's too late to get on with you. Jesus has left you. Can I remind you that Jesus can walk on water so you don't have to worry whether he's going to be on time or not. He takes his own personal shuttle. 
But something that we need to know is that what, what is that fourth watch? The Romans at that time divided the night into four watches starting from six and going to six in the morning. Six to nine, nine to, nine to twelve, twelve to three, and three to six. This is important because we know that that night in four watches, whenever the, it was about three o'clock in the morning and the winds and the waves are battering the storm and they're rowing for their life and they look out at the darkest hour and the most gloomy it can be. And the time that they're stressed the most, filled with anxiety, filled with fear. And they look out and they see Jesus. And we think to ourselves that that would have been the best time of their life. Oh, he's here, praise God. But instead they look out and watch what happens. What do they see? When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in what? Fear. In fear. Imagine that. In the darkest part of the night, the Lord of light walks up and you don't even recognize him. You don't even understand. Your mind can't wrap around, can't comprehend. They weren't thinking that this is a, a, a separated spirit or apparition uh, walking around. The language there implies this in Greek. It implies the fact that they saw an image, but they didn't trust what they saw. This is our imagination. It can't be. And they were terrified because they were all sharing the same vision. I, wanna, I want you to understand, we give the disciples a little bit of a bad rap here because we have the luxury of looking back and saying, oh, of course Jesus walked on water. But until then, Jesus had never walked on water. They didn't know he could do that. Jesus can walk on water? What? They were terrified at it. And I wonder sometimes that when we are in the storms in our life and we look and we think to ourselves, sure, if Jesus came, it would be wonderful. But how many of you know that when the Lord of life, the Lord of light walks into the darkest part of your hour, sometimes we don't even recognize him. Sometimes we don't even realize that he's, the, he's bringing a miracle. And we get scared of even the help that he wants to bring to us. I want you to know that this morning that Jesus can come. And at times when we're scared, he can be unrecognizable. But you and I, when we look boldly into the face of Jesus, we can cry out to him just like Peter did. Matthew chapter 14, verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And I want to stop right here and I want to point out that Jesus says three things in the midst of your storms of life. The first thing that, I, this is a little mini message. I want to break it down really quickly for you. The first thing that Jesus says is take courage. Take courage. Courage is the ability to do something when you are frightened. The ability to do things when you're afraid. Anybody have to ever take courage? You have to take courage in life. You see, he's 
given us the confidence to move boldly into the areas of the unknown despite what's going all around you. In this culture, in this day and age, it takes courage to live for Christ. In this culture, in this day and age, it takes courage to walk in confidence of the Lord. But I want you to know that no matter what kind of storm that you're facing, you can have courage because you know Jesus. We are called, even in the midst of all of our fears, to do it afraid. We are called to do it afraid. The second thing he, he said is, it is I. Now this is very interesting language because when we read it in Greek, it's I am. I am. And why is that interesting is because that's exactly what God shared with Moses at the burning bush. I am. You see, when Jesus shows up in a problem in your life, he wants to remind you that he's not just a well-wisher letting you know that they are concerned and that they'll be praying for you. The very King of Kings and Lord of Lords walks into the problem in your life and reminds you that he is still God and he is in control and that he is not scared. I am. And then finally, Jesus said, do not be afraid. Now we've talking, uh, we've, we've, we've spoken about take courage and we've spoken about the Lord is God. But here we have no reason to be afraid because we fully put our faith in Christ Jesus as God. It, do not fear is the most commanded thing that God shares with us in his word. As a matter of fact, if you would go and count them up 365 times, some say just enough so that you'll be reminded that each day we shouldn't be afraid. Isn't that wonderful? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. We don't have to be afraid because we can trust our God with everything. We just need one word. Matthew chapter 14, verse 18 through 29, uh, verse 28 through 29. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. If it's you, tell me to come. Come. He just needed one word. He needed one word from his master, one word for the Savior, and then that would fill his heart with enough faith to step out of the boat and begin to walk. One word is all that you and I need in order to trust and believe in God. Maybe for you, it's one sermon. Maybe for you, it's one text of encouragement. Maybe for you, it's one time kneeling down at the, at the, at the altar by your bed and hearing the still small voice of a gentle, loving Savior say, you can trust me. You can step out of the boat. You can come. And it fills our hearts and our lives with enough faith that we step out on the water and we begin to walk with Jesus. It's here that we get 
We get a bad rap for Peter, I think, starting in Matthew chapter 14, verse 30. Because all we need is a little faith, but a little faith is not nothing. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to, and, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took uh, hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Somebody say little. Little faith is not nothing. He began to sing because he saw the wind and the waves around him. And how do you know that whenever you do something for the first time, you're going you're gonna to mess it up a little bit? You know, when it came to ice skating, I, I didn't do so hot. No pun intended. I went all over the floor. But when it comes to walking on water, Peter's already got me. But I need somebody to know this morning that we are called to walk on water. We are called to rise above the fear in our life and be able to walk in confidence knowing that because of our faith placed in Christ Jesus, fixed in Christ Jesus, we are safe and secure. But in the moments in, in time, in the moments of our life, when we begin to sink and we begin to allow the waves and the wind to influence our lives, we can trust in one simple fact. That Peter had just a little faith. And because of the little faith, the word of God says, immediately, Jesus reached out and saved him. He didn't use him as an example. He didn't use it to teach him a lesson. He didn't turn to the other disciples and see, see, see there guys, that's what happens when you don't have faith in me. The Bible says immediately, he reached out and saved him. Peter's the only one that got out of the boat. But he's the one that gets the bad rap in all of it. See, there are some people here this morning that maybe you're in the process of drowning. Maybe you're in the process of sinking. Maybe you're joining us online and things are not going according to plan. There's, no, there's nothing extra. You've already given all that you have. But I want to remind you today that a little faith is not nothing. Psalm chapter 51, starting in verse 17b, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. A broken and repentant heart, O oh God, you will not turn away. You will always reach out your hand immediately and pull them out. Save them, save us, O oh God. God will never turn that one calling to him away. I don't think there's any doubt that in a, in a room filled with people like this, there's a lot of people that are living in fear and anxiety in your daily life. For whatever reason you're scared, God is calling you to do something different. He's calling you 
to live life with faith over fear. He's calling you to have the confidence in him so that you can step out of the boat and walk over every anxiety, every depression, every fear in your life. If you're here this morning and you, you have a storm, I want to remind you that he hasn't taken his eyes off of you. He's seen you the whole time. He's been walking alongside of you and you might not have even recognized him. But he's there. He's with you. And he has everything that you need. If you're sinking this morning and you've given everything that you've got, you may not even understand everything in the Bible. Maybe you have doubts in your faith. But a little faith is not nothing. All you need to do is call out, Jesus, save me. And I want you to know that that Prince of Peace, that mighty God, that Holy One will immediately reach out his hand into your life and he will restore you. He will give you the confidence that you need to walk knowing that he is next to you, beside you, in you and moves through you. He'll give you peace and joy and gladness and re replace all of that sadness, anxiety and fear. Would you stand with me all over this place? If you're here this morning and you need to call out to Jesus, perhaps it's your first time or perhaps this is a moment where it's been such a long time, you're not even sure that he'll listen to you. He's here. He's willing. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me all over this place? Heavenly Father, I pray, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would come into this place, Lord, and draw our hearts and lives over to you, Lord, and give us the confidence that we need to call out to you that you will save us. Hallelujah. With your head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor John, I'm calling out to Jesus to save me. Would you just raise your hand so I know I'm praying with you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Looking all around. Looking all around. Heavenly Father, you've seen these hands that were raised. I pray, God, that you'd be there with them. Lord, move in them and through them, Lord. Lord, for your word tells us that you've never turned away a broken and repentant heart. Father, I pray, God, that you would be the Lord of their life and the master of their storm. We thank you, Lord, for your commitment, your faithfulness to us. I pray, God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that this would be the first day of a brand new life for each one of them. Perhaps you're here today, ladies and gentlemen, and you feel like you're sinking. You feel like you're going through a storm. I want to remind you that when Jesus helped Peter back into the boat, that the wind stopped and everybody on the boat worshiped him. And they said, you really are 
the Son of God. This morning, would you just take a moment, just privately in your own, in your own way, and by faith, thank Jesus for being the master of the storm in your life? By faith, would you just proclaim that Jesus is Lord of the storm in your life? Remind yourself that he is the master of the wind and waves. Let's do that this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives. Oh, God, that every storm, every wind, every wave, God, that's blowing through, Lord Jesus, Lord, that we know, God, it can be used, Lord, to bring you glory and bring you honor. I pray, God, that each one within the sound of my voice would not only recognize that you're walking next to them, Lord, but call out to you, and Lord, that they would be filled with faith enough to walk over every fear and anxiety of their life. And Lord Jesus, I pray for those that are tired, for those that feel like they're sinking into despair. I pray, God, that as they call out to you, that they would rise up. Lord, that you would help them back and Lord, that you would calm the storm in their life. Lord, we owe you everything. We owe you all the glory. You deserve every thanks and every gratitude for all that you've done and for all that you continue to do. Lord, help us, Lord Jesus, to be a church that finds you in the middle of the storms. Help us to be a church that is filled with hope and help us to be a church that does life together. For it's in you, we live, we breathe, and we find our being. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Be blessed this morning. Share hope, share life with everybody around you. Amen.